Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. It is always a pleasure to have you with us here as we come your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. That is our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We hope that you will join us for all of those as we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. And uh, we have the podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations across the Internet. We have a video cast on YouTube, and you can watch these interviews. You can sort of get to know us a little bit better through that process. And we hope that you will go to uh, go to the YouTube channel and uh, uh, watch uh, what uh, watch what we're doing, and also go to our guest's website. Well, who is our guest's website? We're going to tell you that in just a moment, and we hope that you will uh, check out uh, what they are talking about. We also hope that you will participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, as we ask you to spend time going within, listening to that still, small voice in that quiet, peaceful place that is only your own. And I will tell you that many years ago, I used to think about trying to find that place on the planet somewhere that I could go and get away from everybody and just have some quiet time, just me time, just all by myself. And no, a man cave isn't going to cut it because other people can find it. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, if I find the place here on this planet that's isolated and secluded and so forth, others will find it too. And then it dawned on me, ah, the only place that nobody else can go to, that only I can go to, is that place within. So guess what? No paparazzi, okay? No cell phones there. No internet, okay? No interruptions. You just get to spend time with you. And I know sometimes that can be a little scary. Sure, we have that shadow side. Maybe we'll talk about that as well. But uh, that's all part of what makes us who we are. We also ask that if you are able to do so to support this program, we would greatly appreciate any financial uh, support. That's why we have a PayPal account. It's for there for your security as well as ours. When you go there and you want to send, they're going to ask you for an email address to whom to send it to. Richard at RichardDugan.com is that, is that uh, email address. We hope that you'll do that. Our program today, uh, I think you're really going to enjoy. I know that I am. And it's been, if I'm doing the math correctly, it's been seven years, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, seven years, it's a magic number, as it were, if, as my dear friend Ramona Richards, who has since passed on, uh, has shared with me about uh, numerology and and the sacred geometry and and all things spiritual. She was actually the one who gave me uh, my very first and only copy of a book that I've had to rebind, and I've had it since I was 21. I am now 61. You do the math. Uh, the Impersonal Life. I carry that with me everywhere I go. I pull it out every so often and I read a little bit of it, and it's just fascinating. But she is on the other side, as they say, although I wonder sometimes if our guest really thinks uh, – there is actually another side, or it's the same side, uh, the other side of the same coin. Mark Anthony is our guest. Mark, it is great to have you back. I am so sorry that it's been so long, but man, we, we've made it this far. 
We have, Richard. Thank you for having me back on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been seven years since I've been on your show. And that was, um, I guess, when my last book, Evidence of Eternity, came out. Now my new book, uh, The Afterlife Frequency, has come out. So I guess it's serendipitous and uh, spiritual synchronicity that I'm back. Now, you consider yourself, uh, or others, I guess, the psychic lawyer. Is that correct? Well, the media labeled me that. Okay. Um, you know, it, I'm, a, I'm a psychic medium. It runs in my family for generations. Both my mother and my father had these abilities, and I tracked it back on both sides into the 1890s. And um, I, I was initially going to go into the clergy, but I felt that that was too constricting, too many rules and regulations. So I ended up going to law school instead. Instead, So, you know, go figure with the rules and regulations. I kind of... <laughs> <laughs> the uh, rule frying pan into the regulatory fire. Yeah. So, and, and so when I went public with my abilities, I was in New York City and I was at uh, this media conference and a bunch of the reporters said, you're a medium and a lawyer. They go, you're the psychic lawyer. And, and it stuck. Mm. But in, in more recent years, Richard, um, the media has also labeled me the psychic explorer. And that's because a lot of what I do is to travel to um, paranormal sites, mystical locations around the world. I have a background not just in law, but also quantum physics, theology, philosophy, spirituality, ancient mysteries. And so they've labeled me the psychic explorer. So what what I've been doing um, is... I, I'm now known as Mark Anthony J.D. Psychic Explorer. The J.D. is my law degree, Juris Doctorate, instead of, you know, having these all these uh, nicknames. Mm-hmm. And um, because I, you know, I appear to a lot of different venues, uh, giving lectures and presentations and, of course, doing spirit communication demonstrations. So um, I've been I'm pretty busy these days. Yeah, well, I think we all are, and it's really kind of an irony, in a, as a matter of fact, that we are as busy as we are, considering what we've been through for the last few years. Uh, and uh, I, I, you know, th- th- I know that it used to be. I remember listening to radio in the '80s and '90s when they had uh, different um, uh, mediums astrologers, readers, this kind of thing on different radio stations. I I was born and raised in Phoenix, so, you know, listening to those stations. And a lot of the same questions over and over and over again. I'm noticing, yes, those same questions are still being asked today by many people. But on this program, uh, I share with people my, my observations that I, yes, I've been to a number of different mediums over the years. But I have learned that I'm not going there to find out something that I don't know. I'm going there to confirm what I already know. But for some reason, um, my ego is kind of saying, I, I don't quite trust, you know, I, I need to get some outside confirmation, some support. You know, that kind of thing. That's how I look at it. Is that how you see your role? I'd say that's one aspect of it. What I do as a psychic medium, and I'm an evidential medium. So instead of just saying, oh, your grandmother's here and she loves you because, you know, chances are everybody's grandmother loved them. What I have to do is facilitate communication between the client, the person here, 
and uh, their loved ones in spirit. And the spirits will transmit to me pieces of information and evidence. And But it can also not only be past memories and shared experiences, things going on with your life, but they can give guidance and messages of love, healing, and resolution. But what my work does is because of my background in science, uh, neuroscience, anatomy, and physiology, what I do is explain how there is a scientific basis for all of this. And that's what my new book, The Afterlife Frequency, the subtitle is The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life. And I explain the afterlife on the basis of quantum physics, and it bridges the divide between faith and science by presenting credible evidence and credible scientific theories. But, you know, I want to caution the reader. This is not some dry, boring uh, uh, technical treatise, because I suffered through enough of that in, in <laughs> law school and in the practice of law, Richard. I'm not going to inflict boring books on every anybody. So I explain the concepts, and then I illustrate it with fast-moving stories that help people uh, relate to what I'm presenting. Hmm. Well, the subject that we're going to talk about today, of course, is uh, having to do with your latest book, Afterlife Frequency. As I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, uh, I had a dear friend, and that was, actually it is in the month you and I are speaking, the month of March, um, two years ago, that my dear friend who gave me that copy of The Impersonal Life passed on. And uh, the woman who was caring for her up until her passing shared with me the story. Uh, very briefly, she was dealing with a particular uh, medical condition. Uh, that she knew about and she'd been dealing with it for a number of years. She got to the point where she says, no, I'm not doing anything more. I'm ready to go. Okay. Yeah. And basically she, she left, as the phrase goes, on her own terms. And every so often I do, I feel, you know, I need to, I need to call Ramona. I need to ask her a question about blah, blah, blah. Now, it was not, you know, the, the, you know, a, a client psychic medium kind of relationship. She, I viewed her as a mentor, but she hated me calling her that. So I didn't. I just called her my friend. But she was, she was very influential in my spiritual growth as, uh, as I was growing through my twenties, thirties and forties and even into my fifties as, as we were still good friends. Matter of fact, uh, she is the second longest relationship that I've had. Next to my best friend who I knew in high, in grade school, who I've known for 50 years. I knew her for 40 years. Uh, and, and, uh, I don't know why I'm proud of those, those numbers, but that's just me. But I remember having these conversations with her about, uh, death and dying of, and by the way, I want you to know that I had an opportunity to have Bernie Siegel on this program. And we were chatting and he talked about, uh, you know, when his, his wife died. And I started talking, oh yeah, and, and, and by the way, um, do you still have any contact with her, like, since she's passed? He says, what do you mean, what passed? She died. I mean, he was very adamant about using the word die. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Because the only reason I would use other than the word death and dying is because those words are so negatively, energetically charged, and yet, 
that's sort of kind of the truth is that the physical body ceases to function and we have that definition uh, under the word death or die. Uh, I tend to to agree with you, Richard, that the word death and dying, yes, they apply to the physical body, but we are not these bodies. We are in these bodies. You need to think of your body like a car. And, you know, some people have a really hot, flashy car that other people look at and say, hey, I'd like to take a spin on that one. Mm. And then others, not so much. Okay. But the truth is that when the car, when your car ceases to function, what happens? You get out of the car and you move on. And it's the same thing with us. Now, what uh, Bernie Siegel, and, and I can't speak for him, but dead in death. Well, that helps people accept the physical loss. But what we have to realize is that our relationship goes from one of a physical nature to one of a spiritual nature. So to some extent, it is a good idea to let people understand that the physical presence of that person has ceased to exist. Because a lot of people, they wallow in a state of denial and they cling on to the physical. And, and I'm not criticizing people for doing that. I mean, particularly for parents who've lost children. That's the most devastating loss of all. And, you know, your, your friend, your mentor, I mean, she meant the world to you. And, of course, you miss her physical presence, but you receive this spiritual guidance. You, you get these feelings from her, and that indicates that your relationship has gone from one of a physical to one of a spiritual nature. And so... You know, and, and I, I know that there is an afterlife. I mean, I communicate with spirits on a daily basis. I've conducted over 15,000 readings. I've been studied in laboratories. I've been brain mapped. I've been, you know, put through all types of different tests, both in the U.S. and the U.K. And, um, you know, the evidence is overwhelming that consciousness survives physical death. Mm. It's not just me. There's also the International Association for Near-Death Studies, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, Edgar Cayce Association for Research and Enlightenment. I could go on and on and on. The Division <laughs> of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia, the Monroe Institute for Out-of-Body Experiences, University of Arizona Survival of Consciousness Programs, and, and those are just in the United States. Yeah. Not to mention what's going on worldwide. And so for the past 50 plus years, the scientific method of, of objective observation without jumping to conclusions, but rather to gather evidence and then after the evidence is gathered to analyze it, has been applied to this phenomenon. And the results are that consciousness, the who and what you are, survives physical death. So really, the body may die, the car may die, but not who and what we are. Mm -hmm. As a little kid growing up, I used to think of myself as this tiny little being riding around somewhere up inside my head, looking out through the eyes, similar to the one little character from um, that movie with Will Smith, uh, Men in Black. And yeah. You remember that? 
when the big alien's head pops open and there's this little guy in there. That's how I used to think of myself in terms of my existence and that I was unique and that the rest of the world had no clue whatsoever about not only my existence, but that they were here for my existence. I mean, that was the thought that went through my, had nothing, I, you know, I wasn't into metaphysics and spirituality back then as a kid. I was playing around barefoot in the yard. You know, you know, yeah, that's very profound. And that's also such a, a raw and honest revelation of a child. Yeah. You know, you hear a lot of accounts. Like I was one of those children around three and a half. I started seeing spirits, but you know, mommy and daddy could see who I was talking to. So I had that verification. And then generally around the age of five to six, is when children stop seeing spirits. And I've always wondered why that is. And it appears that children start getting conditioned. This isn't real. Plus, you start school, kindergarten or first grade, whatever. And so you, your, your mind begins to get focused on other things. And plus, you know, your societal pressures, familial pressures, and you begin to tune that out. But children will come to these revelations. I mean, how many times have you heard of children say, Oh, you know, I saw Uncle Danny and, you know, Uncle Danny died before the child was even born. And they give a description of what Uncle Danny, you know, looked like. So I think what you experienced was a revelation of of spirituality. Um, and, and, and yeah, because that's what you are. You're not this body. You're inside this body peering out of it. You know, we tend to be very biocentric, you know, biocentric, meaning we think that the biology is the center of the universe when it is just a container. And one of the, the, the ways I go about approaching this in the afterlife frequency is introduction of the term, the electromagnetic soul. Mm-hmm. And this is to explain what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And This is the result of years of research when I developed this term. Every great spiritual teacher from, you know, the sages of ancient India through Zoroaster, Moses, Buddha, Jesus, Confucius, Lao Tzu, uh, Muhammad, Gandhi. I mean, we could go on St. Francis of Assisi, Native American spiritualists. They all talk about the soul, the who and what we are, pre-existing the body, coming into the body, moving on after the body dies. In the realms of psychology and quantum physics, the soul is also referred to as consciousness. Then we know from the laws of thermodynamics in physics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. We know that the body has an electrical field. All right. And from the study of neuroscience, which is the study of the human brain, the most complex electrical system in the brain, in the body is is in the human brain. So when the body physically dies, it's like a, a computer hard drive crashes. The computer hard drive did not create the windows or the operating system systems on the computer nor did it create the data on the computer. So when our hard drive slash brain crashes, it gets uploaded to to the cloud. 
And, mm-hmm. and so the electromagnetic soul is my 21st century term to bridge the divide between faith and science to describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. Mm. You know, what is so fascinating about pretty much everything you've just said is that I am looking at our existence. I have struggled with, I, I had past tense struggled with this for a long time. And I have finally, at least on the intellectual level, I have finally come to grips with the concept of duality. Now, you have elucidated absolutely beautifully uh, the fact that energy is never – it's never destroyed. It's never – it doesn't dissipate. It just right. – it's transformed. It's transmuted. Uh, and so this life that we live today uh, is temporary. The life, the material world in which we live is temporary. But the energy that yes. causes it, if you will, to exist will always exist. And when I think about that, when it comes to whatever we're dealing with in this world, whether it's uh, an administration, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a war, whether it's uh, weather conditions, I don't care what it is. It's not permanent, ladies and gentlemen. It's never been permanent. Right. And um, when we think about our existence, and, and by the way, I, and again, I say this with no disrespect to people who have this philosophical bent. Forgive me for, for – I don't mean to be insensitive. But I watched a documentary called uh, Before the Wrath, having to do with uh, the biblical uh, uh, period of rap- the time of the rapture, of Armageddon of the second coming, of the Antichrist, all of that stuff. Now, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. I worked for 15 years for a, a Christian radio station. I've heard the story in the ad nauseum. And to be honest with you, I'm bored with it. But they talked about how, uh, you know, we're always asking the wrong question, when? We should be asking, why, 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 why? And, of course, they started talking about in the next life, what the next life is, where we'll be sitting at the feet of the master for all of eternity. And as I thought about that, I'm going, that's boring. I mean, not, no disrespect to the master, but well, that's boring. I, I don't want to – that's not what I want to do for eternity. Well – you have to realize that the bulk of religions, with a few exceptions like, you know, the LDS church, because that was, you know, developed in the uh, the, the 19th century. Yeah. Some of the, the more recent religions like spiritualism, which actually has much deeper roots, they were all religions that originated in the Bronze Age and the Iron Age. And so they tend to depict God as this insecure man sitting on a throne with a scepter smiting people mm-hmm. or you know it's funny i saw i was um the other day uh, i had the tv on and there was this old episode of star trek next generation it's uh-huh. where picard dies and he goes into the light and q is there q is there goes, 
you're dead and I'm God. And Picard says, you're not God. He goes, blasphemy. I should cast you out or smite you or something. (laughs) I I, I just could not stop laughing because there's this, this notion that God's this insecure man who has to smite people and who's jealous of other gods, Mm. which of course, you know, there aren't. And, but, but that is how people in, in those, those bronze and iron age thousands of years ago, that's how they were able to conceive and, and to visualize this because in the work that I do, and you see this in near death experiences, when people die and their consciousness, their electromagnetic soul leaves the body and there's this floating sensation. Then many times there's traveling through a tunnel into the light, encountering deceased loved ones, and then moving to a farther stage into um, the light. And this is what happened in my near death experience, which, which I explain in the book and that happened when I was four. And then, then they're pulled back. It's because, you know, they're resuscitated. What's happening here is we are in these material world bodies. So think of our body like a bottle and the brain as the cork in the bottle. Mm -hmm. And the brain doesn't create consciousness. It only hosts it. But our brain is designed for finite perception because everything we know has a limitation, a beginning, a middle, and an end. We know we think that time exists. Well, that makes sense because we're born, we grow old, we die. Uh, we base time on the rotation of uh, the earth on its axis. It gets light, it gets dark. So therefore, you know, that's a unit of time. And so in an NDE, what's happening is we're in the transition from a finite form of perception to encountering the infinite. Now, for people in, in for human beings, we have to create a point of reference of this omnipotent, this all-pervasive, interconnective energy. And so in ancient times, that would be a Caesar or a king or the, a Persian emperor or you know the Chinese emperor or whatever. And so people tend to anthropomorphize this infinite energy so it's something to relate to. In other words, it's easier for you and me to relate to God in the form of Jesus you know, this loving, compassionate, wise healer than it is um, electromagnetic energy that interconnects everything in existence. Yeah. Okay. And and so for the people who, who do, who are people of faith and who do follow religions, and I'm, and I'm not criticizing you, if that is what works for you, then do it. Where things go astray is when it turns into, well, my religion is superior to yours. That's it. Yeah. And that then we get into this very primitive us versus them syndrome. And that, that's the downside of religion. Because I remember something that uh, Pope John Paul II said. He said that people should follow the teachings of their religions. And he meant about peace about we're all the children of God, about love, about compassion, about charity. But what happens is it gets turned into a moral justification for people's ego-driven agendas. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, so, so because Christ never said, start an insurrection, invade, and smite those who not look like you. I mean, Jesus never said that. I mean, yeah. have you ever heard of 
a a war waged because of the teachings of Buddha. No. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you, you don't you don't hear that because no. they didn't. No. Um, you know, and then I know we're getting off into a, a religious discussion, but but uh, it's hard to talk about the afterlife and and not have that overlap. Sure. Because when you look at things like um, you know the Bible, the big question is. Is it literal or is it metaphor? Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to be giving a presentation to the International Association of Near-Death Studies uh, over Labor Day weekend at their annual conference. And part of my presentation, I'm taking a couple um, passages. And um, one of them is Jacob's Ladder. Now, Jacob's Ladder in the book of Jacob, which is the Old Testament, is one of the most mystical, most studied, most, you know, question passages. So Jacob, you know, he's, he's uh, on this journey and he gets tired and he lays down and he, put, you know, uses a rock as a stone as his pillow. And then he has this dream where there's this ladder between heaven and earth and angels are coming up and down, up and down in this unending procession. And he believes that he sees God at the top of the ladder. Now, the strict constructionists, the the people who believe it literally say that was his dream and that was God telling him that, you know, there's angels going back and forth. But the people who look at this as a metaphor believe that this could be, um, there's, there's several different interpretations. One, that it's the history of mankind that, that were ruled by people and empires and kingdoms that rise and fall, angels going up and down. Another one is that it is symbolic of the interconnectedness between the material world and the divine, between this side and the other side, as the angels are ascending, descending, and there's, there's no real barrier. In other words, if you are open to it, you can perceive the divine. And then here's the really fascinating one. Others believe that this could be a metaphor for reincarnation, that the angels going to heaven, this is a person's soul, they die, they go to heaven, and then they return to earth. You know, so it's really fascinating, because you know, I remember being a kid, and you know, I remember being in religion class, I went to Catholic school, we had to draw pictures of, you know, oh, uh, yeah. of uh, Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> Noah's Ark was always my favorite, because it was cool to draw a big boat with, like, you know, giraffes and elephants and stuff hanging off of it. But but the thing is, some of these passages, um, and many of them, very well may be metaphors and if you look at the way Jesus taught, and now granted, um, that's in the Old Testament, but I'm looking at s- scripture in, in the big picture. Mm-hmm. A lot of the teachings are parables, which mean they're metaphors to teach people through an illustration. Yeah. Mark Anthony's our guest here on the program. We're talking about afterlife frequencies, and I wanted to ask you in regards to the afterlife. Uh, you mentioned a whole bunch of different uh, organizations. IONS has been on this program a number of times. We have a local chapter here in uh, Santa Barbara. Uh, yeah. But I also participate in something, participated in something that I found not only extraordinarily fascinating, but actually quite, um, at least as that experience goes, quite comforting, uh, quite quite peaceful. And it was called Life Between Lives. Uh, Dr. Newton, you might yeah. be – yeah. 
And uh, I actually have two or three, maybe four of his books on my Audible uh, uh, device. By, by the way, I also have your two books. The current one, which is also Audible, uh, Afterlife uh, Frequency, on my uh, Apple, uh, my uh, Amazon uh, uh, audio Audible device that I'm going to sit and listen to that you actually narrated. Not every author does that, and that's uh, pretty cool because that takes some time. You know, it's one thing to write it, okay, which takes a heck of a lot of time. A heck of a lot of time. <laughs> but yeah. then to sit there and read it and read it, not necessarily flawlessly, because I know you probably had an editor, you know, who took care of all of that. But um, this life between lives was so fascinating to me when I first was introduced to it, found out that there was a good friend of mine who was actually a practitioner. He's the only one in the area. And he took me through the hypnosis process. Past life regression. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Past life regression. This was after I had read two of the books by Dr. Newton about his case studies. And um, there were never any leading questions. So do you see this? Do you hear this? Do you smell this? Do you take, you know, what, what do you see? What do you hear? Describe and and so forth. And I have to say that it's what was fascinating to me was the visit to my life before this one and then the transition into that space, the life between lives. It was extraordinary. And I actually miss my past life in that – it seemed much simpler. <laughs> it's similar to what I'm living today, although there were no electronics in that day. It was more the pioneer days. I had a farm. I had a barn. The farm and the barn burned. I had a cabin up in the mountains, which is where I went. And uh, one day I went out and sat down on the porch and put my feet up on the rail, tipped my hat back. And I said, been a good life. And I left. I just left. Yeah. Now – does that seem to be a problem with a lot of people that it's not so much what is on the other side, other side, which nobody can definitively verify and confirm because no one's been there and then come back, if you know what I mean? Well, I beg to differ. Okay. That's what near-death experiences are, is a near-death experience is it's like a rubber band. Mm-hmm. You know, we're attached to it, and, we're in, and you get right, and you touch the other right side. Right to the edge. But, but it, what I do, I actually communicate with the electromagnetic souls that are on the other side. Okay. And so my book goes even further than, than those because it gives the scientific explanation which is the electromagnetic soul. So when we die, what happens is think of your soul as a drop of water and it leaves and it plunges into this eternal sea of souls that I refer to as the collective consciousness. And so when we're communicating with a spirit, spirits are never alone. So when you when you become part of the collective consciousness, you don't lose your individuality. What happens then is you're interlinked energetically with other spirits that are linked to other spirits that are linked to other spirits. And so during um, spirit communication, they can come forward. And that's why when interfacing and communicating with spirits, they can give you information that far exceeds anything that they knew in this life. Yeah. You know, that makes me think of the character 
going back to Star Trek, only this was uh, Deep Space Nine, of the character Odo, the changeling. Yes. When when he went back to his home planet and he went into that liquid. Because that's what he was. What do they call the Great Link? Yeah, Yeah, the Great Link. Great Link. And and it's interesting is because um, uh, the Trek... Uh, the Trek writers, they do a lot of research on these things. But, um, yeah, there, there, there is a, a similarity. It's just that in the collective consciousness, and Edgar Cayce talked about this, too. He called it the universal mind. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the concepts um, that I, I present in afterlife Fre- the afterlife frequency is collective consciousness communication. And so, for example, I was doing a public event. And and I do this happens in pretty much every every uh, uh, public venue. What will happen is there'll be a group of spirits coming forward that may have a commonality among themselves, or there is a commonality among the recipients. For example, um, so I'm doing this and I keep hearing the word Paisley, Paisley, Paisley. So I say, does Paisley make sense to anybody? Three hands go up. This first woman stands up and says, I was at the mall today and I was walking by Macy's and I felt that I needed to go in and buy a Paisley skirt. And then this gentleman uh, said, well, my father died recently and I was going through his his belongings yesterday. And for some reason, I just wanted his Paisley tie. And then this woman, this other woman said, well, my grandmother's name was Paisley. Then all of a sudden, all the spirits connected with the Paisleys. Then I said, um, I started talking about pancreas and thyroid. And one says, oh, my gosh, my grandmother died of pancreatic cancer. This other guy said, oh, I just had. And and what had happened was all the Paisleys came in together and the recipients all had that commonality. And then they came in, gave collective messages to each of them and then narrowed it to give them specific messages to each of them. And and I see this time and time again. Now, mm. you brought up an interesting point. We don't really know what the other side is like. And here's why. It's getting back to what I was discussing earlier about our finite perception, which is governed by our brain. Our brain is designed for finite perception. Why? Because while we're in the material world, we have a finite existence. And so it's not capable of fully appreciating or beginning to 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 comprehend what the other side is like. We can get glimpses of it. Albert Einstein, I think, described it really well. He said trying to understand the universe is like being a four-year-old who walks into a library. <laughs> and the four-year-old sees that there's books in the library and knows that there's things in the books and that people wrote them, but doesn't know who they are and what's in the books, much less does he understand them. Einstein said, we're the four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. That makes uh, a, a lot of sense to me. We're talking with Mark Anthony, and uh, Afterlife uh, Frequency is the title of the book. We certainly hope that you will uh, check that out. We also want you to go to his website uh, for this particular work, and it happens to be AfterlifeFrequency.com. What a coincidence! That's just phenomenal that that would be the same. (laughs) Well, I thought I'd make it easy for everybody. You know, I wanted it to be Afterlife, just like my new book, Yeah. Life frequency, 
Okay, and um, afterlifefrequency.com. So I invite all of your listeners to go to my site because then you can find out when I'll be on this show and, uh, and, and when I'm back on this show. Yeah. Also, sign up for my newsletter. You can inquire about scheduling a reading with me. And also, I, I do a live show every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, The Psychic and the Doc. My co-host is psychologist Dr. Pat Basili. And uh, we have a lot of great guests and uh, we do a lot of call-in shows where yeah. I'll do readings for people and then you get Dr. Pat's intuitive insights and she, she's awesome to work with. And that's all at afterlifefrequency.com. And the thing is, I wanted to see when I was eight years old, my dad, he was um, not only a medium, but he had been a, a Navy SEAL. He was a NASA engineer. And I just, I, you know, as a kid, my dad was my hero because he worked with astronauts and in fact, he was just a great dad too. And we were looking at the stars one night and I kept saying, you know, why, why, how? And, and he told me, he said, Mark, there is no such thing as a mystery. There are only questions for which we do not yet have the answer. And if enough research, enough funding, enough dedication is put into something, we will figure it out. And there will be a scientific explanation for it. And that really stuck with me. Um, and and if, if you can indulge me for, for um, a story that I, I think. Please, I, go ahead. Like the best friend that I ever had uh, was this guy named Billy. And we met when we were 11. We went through junior high, high school, college together. After uh, college, I went to law school and he went to Asia and he he had an aptitude for languages. I mean, he was a linguistics genius. He learned how to speak Japanese, Cantonese, Thai, Indonesian. And uh, I even traveled with him throughout uh, Southeast Asia and Japan. Um, in fact, uh, the afterlife frequency starts with an adventure in Thailand where things almost went really badly to the point where I would not be here um, material or uh, material wise. That's for sure. Um, that, that starts, starts off the book. And, our entire lives, we had this ongoing debate. It, is there an afterlife? And we had both been raised Catholic. Now, he was an atheist, and of course, I was arguing the other side, so to speak. And it was just something we always talked about. And I remember when we were, we were in Asia, and I'd be going to these temples, because I was always talking to the Buddhist priests, and I wanted to go to their, their, uh, their, their services and, and understand the culture. And he would say to me, I don't believe this because there's no technology to prove it. He said, but somehow I don't understand how you do the psychic thing. So we had this, this thing going on. And, and, I, and I remember he asked me to perform his wedding ceremony. He met this absolutely amazing woman in Japan. Florida. And, you know, Richard, it was one of the happiest days of my life. There I am. I'm standing on this this uh, this raised platform. My best friend and his his bride, who became my new best friend, and everybody that I loved was there that day. His parents, my parents, all our friends from college. It was just it was one of those shining stars. Mm-hmm. Well, about two years after that, he he died from suicide, mm-hmm. and and I was just absolutely crushed, absolutely crushed. And there's a lot more to it, but. A year and a half after he he died, he passed. 
I was at a paranormal convention and my first book, Never Letting Go, came out. Afterlife Frequency is my third. And I had just done my my presentation and I was in the conference room or the convention center, rather, and I was signing books. And my manager, Rocky, was walking around looking at all the other uh, vendors and she walked by this one table where they were displaying paranormal investigation equipment, including the spirit box, which scans EM frequencies. And she's walking by and she hears, get Mark. And she stops and she looks at it. And the investigator, he, he's looking at it. And all of a sudden it goes, get Mark. And he goes, do you think he means your Mark, Mark Anthony? So they're screaming, Mark, Mark, get over here. And I'm like, what is going on? So I get up and I run over. And as I come up to it, I hear, dude. And I mean, I stopped in my tracks, Richard. And then I hear, love you, bro. And I looked at Rocky because she knew him. She was, Mark, that's Billy's voice. And tears are coming out of my eyes. And I'm looking at this. And, you know, at first it was just, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. But as I started thinking about it, the atheist who said there's no science to prove this, what did he choose to communicate with me but a piece of technology? And that got my wheels turning, and it got me thinking about what Dad told me when I was a little kid, Mm. that there is a scientific explanation for everything. And that got me on the long road that led to me writing The Afterlife Frequency. Wow. Wow. And what was cool is he always called me dude because we grew up in the surfing culture of uh, East Coast Florida. And the very last thing he ever did say to me in this world, I remember he hugged me and goes, love you, bro. And that's what comes out of this thing. Yeah. It was intense. Wow. When you are in that state of receptivity to the other side, which we'll call it the other side for for lack of a better phrase, uh, because I don't think frequency. That's what I call it. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Because into a higher frequency. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just we can't see it. It's just like our eyes. Our eyes only see a certain spectrum of the of the light frequency. Our ears only hear a certain spectrum of the sound frequency. Exactly. And the only form of electromagnetic energy visible to the human eye is light. Yeah. And so that's why when encountering intense concentrations of light, and, and like during a spiritual experience, that's why um, um, spiritual spiritual teachers tend to refer to God in terms of light. Ergo, Moses and the bush that burned, yet did not burn. How in the Bronze Age would you describe an intense concentration of electromagnetic energy? You describe it in the vernacular of the day and and as the most powerful form of energy you would know, fire. Yeah. Okay. And you can go through all the religions. They all have, you know, uh, stories uh, uh, like that. And uh, you're absolutely right. What we can hear is very limited. I mean, you know, our dogs here and cats here are so much more than we do. Yeah. So, so it's naive, if not ridiculous, to think that uh, the universe and the multiverses are only what we can perceive with our limited, finite perception of the five physical senses. Hmm. Well, I still remember that movie, The Sixth Sense, I See Dead People, um, and not realizing, even at that point, 
And uh, no spoiler alert here, what he was actually looking at. And when you get to the end of the movie, you're going, really? Wow. Um, Yeah, that was great. Oh, it was. It really was. I I find it – I myself – I don't know about you. You've already had at four years of age. You had a near-death experience. I have never had anything like that. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to having one, but I'd like to have it without the physical trauma, you know, that might go along with it. That would be nice. (laughs) That would be very nice. By the way, you know, talking about religions and so forth, I had on this program many years ago a born-again evangelical fundamentalist Christian who practiced out-of-body experiences, which blew me away. I'm going, where in the Bible does it say you can do that? And he says, nowhere. I said, really? And why do you do it? He says, because I like it. Uh, okay. I'm not gonna, and I'm not judging. I am absolutely not judging. If that's what you know he's doing and he's enjoying it, and I have you ever wanted to stay? Oh, no, no. I always want to come back. Um. I don't know about you, Mark, but if today's my day, even though I have a ton of things I still want to do in my life, I want to live to be as old as my great-grandmother on my mother's side, and she lived to be 100. I'm 61. What does that tell you? I've got another lifetime at least, right? Yeah. But if today's my day, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good to go. Uh, I hope it's not. I hope it's not tomorrow or the next day. I'm hoping it is another 39 or 40 plus or more years down the road. Well, I think that's the point that we we all need to understand is every day that we're alive is a gift. Yeah. Although there are many days it does not feel that way. Like, <laughs> well, especially like when you lose a child yes. or you oh, yeah. like, like, you know, losing. I've lost both my parents, uh, my, my two best friends. Um, in the past month, I uh, had two other friends that had died uh, for you know various reasons. Um, I've had relatives die from COVID. And that's why it's so important that the time that we're given is so precious. We have to make each day matter, each day count. And that's why I appreciate what you're doing with this show, because this is part of how Richard Dugan makes each day count. You're creating a forum for for all types of topics and people telling their stories, spirituality, uh, types of mysteries, uh, interesting people, revelations. It maybe it doesn't provide all the answers, but it provides something possibly even more important, which are questions mm-hmm. because when we're questioning we're thinking mm-hmm. and and so it's it's a very important um for us to realize each day is a gift and true do your very best to make each day count now certainly i mean if like you're like you're really sick or something and sure and you're physically incapacitated but you know rather than just laying on the couch and eating a bag of potato chips mm-hmm. do something you yeah. know yeah Plant now, a plant, plant a tree, call an elderly relative or friend yeah. just to say, I'm thinking about you. Yeah. Those things matter. Yeah. I call my parents. Uh, I try to call them at least once a week. My father turned 90 last August. Not a happy camper because his body is, he might say, his body is now betraying him, you know, because he doesn't have the stability, the equilibrium that he used to have. He still walks, 
But, you know, he's walking a little on the hunched over side. Sure. I've seen those old guys. I saw them in a, as a teenager and as a young adult. And I said, no, nah, I'm not going to be one of those guys. And I will tell you, from a metaphysical standpoint, I started wondering, what is it that they're carrying or that they've been carrying for so many years, men and women, that has got them hunched over? Because nine times out of ten, it's not osteoporosis. Okay, maybe on a medical level it is. No, no, no. They're carrying some kind of weight uh, of their own choosing, whether it's something that happened to them, something that happened to someone else that they can't deal with, they don't want to deal, whatever. And it's like, I don't want to do that, ladies and gentlemen. And my wife catches me every so often, not hunched over, but actually as I'm walking, I'm actually leaning forward. Not hunched over, but leaning forward. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I said, okay, well, I'll work on standing up straighter, you know, and walking straighter, you know, more erect and that kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and my father, I remember when he was 70, 20 years ago, and we were sitting around at his birthday party. I said, uh, so, so dad, uh, how's it feel to be 70? And he answered with two responses. He says, one, I didn't expect to live this long, but I'm glad I'm here. And I think – and I have not asked him that question again because as he's gotten older and especially at the age of 90, I would venture uh, – he would say the same thing about the first part. Uh, I didn't expect to live this long and I'm not saying that he's – he wants to leave but I know that he's he's not happy with his physical body. And you talked – you used the analogy of a car. I use that all the time. How many cars have you had? I mean, I, I didn't start driving until I was 38, Mark, okay? Until I was 38. My first vehicle was a 1973 Plymouth Fury 3, a land yacht, as they called them, or a land boat or whatever. Yeah, land yachts. And then, believe it or not, I traded that in on a 1998 Chevy Metro. I went from a land yacht to a dinghy. But... Uh, <laughs> We and then I've had uh, I've had a, um, a, a a Toyota van. I have had a Volkswagen Jetta. I, um, we we've had a, a Subaru, a Volvo. Now we're in a Ford F one fifty with a travel trailer. Look at all the vehicles that we have changed over the years. And uh, I think about that passage in the Bible about, hey, you know, a year is a, as a day and a day is a year, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, you know, maybe a, a year is a lifetime in that respect. And every lifetime we we change vehicles, you know. We yeah, get out exactly. of this one and we get into a new one. And hopefully maybe we get into a better one. Is there anything – that you have come across in your experience, in your awareness, that helps us to not only understand why we're, let's just say, in the condition we're in physically, okay, let alone mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, but is there anything that you have learned about how we can sort of prepare ourselves for Choosing maybe a better body in the next lifetime kind of thing, uh, a better – and again, better is subjective because each one of us sees it differently. 
I liked what one country song said. I'm I'm big into country music these days, and uh, something along the lines of "We didn't had it all, but we had enough." Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you hear the stories of people like like Dolly Parton, for example, grew up in poverty. You know, she remembers her roots. I mean, she may live what looks like rather opulent life. I don't think so. I mean, but, it, you know, she's doing it for the glitz and the glamour of the cameras and what have you. But she still remembers where she comes from. She knows what's important, family. And I think Dolly, uh, to answer your question, let's go. Uh, I'm going to answer it through Dolly. Okay. What do? So what I was talking about before, make each day count. Mm-hmm. What is each religion? If you boil it down, it comes down to two words. Be nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, when COVID came out, she gave a million dollars to a university to help develop a COVID vaccine. She gives millions of dollars to charities. Whenever you see her, she's humble. She's compassionate. She's kind. She's caring. Act like Dolly, you know, WWDW, what would Dolly do? <laughs> the WWDD, what would Dolly do? I love you know, it. The thing is, though, you know, she grew up uh, with her strong Christian faith, and mm-hmm. she actually, as far as I can tell, and, and I know people who've met her, and they say that what you see is what you get, that's what, what she's like, yeah. is that. You yeah. know, now, granted, you know, not everyone's going to have the financial resources um, of someone of someone of that stature, but we can do it in our own way. That's why I say, pick up a phone, call that elderly friend or relative. Better yet, go see him or her. You know, um, takes a time to write out a card, write a letter to to an elderly friend or relative. What do old people get in the mail? Bills and solicitations. You know how happy it makes them to get a letter. From someone, it may take you a whole five minutes to do this. Yeah. And, you know, ooh, a stamp in an envelope, but it can make somebody's day. Um, Be kind, be considerate. Realize that everyone that you see is fighting a battle in some way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, hopefully by the time this show airs, the Ukraine war will be past history. I, I tend to think not. But, uh, you know, on my show, I was saying, you know, we need to pray for the people of Ukraine, which I absolutely believe. And somebody sent me a message and said, well, we need to pray for Putin. And I started like grinding my teeth going because she said this person's obviously motivated by fear. And that's why he behaves so negatively. And we need to pray for him to have a revelation. Well, while that's probably not going to happen um, that's that's a big part of the problem. You have an ego-driven personality. And I saw um, this diplomat, and she said that she was at a dinner, this is some years ago, and she sat next to Putin, and he wouldn't even drink or eat anything. And this was in Russia, okay? Because he's afraid he's going to be poisoned by his own people. And so suddenly it made me think that he really is motivated by fear. Everything with him is about fear. Mm -hmm. Fear turns to anger, which turns to hatred, which turns to rage. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so let's pray that he gets the memo 
that yeah. this isn't going to work. And I like something that Gandhi said. Gandhi said, there is no path to peace. Peace is the path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Yeah. When there's peace, everybody wins. Yeah. You know, in uh, uh, 2015, June, and it was actually the 15th, we all remember the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember listening to the news and saying, no, I don't want this guy. Don't want him. I do not want a bully as president because that's what I heard. I grew up being bullied. I knew what a bully was. Well, in September of 2016, I got sucked in to the political discourse. Took me six months to get unsucked. Okay. Uh, And I went through a – at that time, it was a three-phase process. I've shared this on the program and I added a fourth because of one of my guests. The first phase was – and I got to tell you, it stuck in my craw. I did not want to say it out loud. Please don't make me. Thank you, teacher, for teaching me how not to behave. I don't want to call him a teacher. That's showing disrespect to all other teachers. I mean, that was, you know. The next phase was, I forgive you. But more importantly, I forgive me for allowing myself to be drawn into the quagmire. The third phase, kind of along the lines of what we've been discussing here is, question. What is it that you are so afraid of that makes you speak and behave in the way that you do? I'm not asking you to change. I just want to understand so I can move on with my life. Then the fourth phase that was shared by one of my guests. They said three simple words and it has to come from the heart. I love you. You have every right to be here. I may not like your behavior. I may not like your attitude or anything else, but you have every right. You have as much of a right to be here as I do. And that is a really hard one for a lot of people because of the the angst, animosity, the frustration and so on and so on and so on. Uh, people want to and, – and we play the blame game and the reality is we are where we are today because of what's going on inside of us. Someone even shared that with me many years ago, they, especially when it came to natural disasters. They would say, take a, that hurricane, OK? I'm not saying you created it, but take a look at that and find the hurricane within yourself. Yes, you remember Pat Robertson, and this was back in the, I think, the 80s. When Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> there was a hurricane. Yeah. And it was bearing down, I believe it was on North Carolina. And he said, we're going to pray, we're going to pray that God will move that hurricane. And it moved. Now, did it move because it was going to anyway, or did it move because of prayer? Does it matter? Not really. Because that's, again, it's all about energy, right? It's all about energy. And yes. frequency, like we're talking about the afterlife frequency. Uh, so when when you're when you're meeting with people, uh, and, and I got frustrated when somebody said this to me, Richard, you wrote this script. This is your script, Richard. Okay, in terms of my life and what I was going through, I hated to hear that. No, 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 no. 
But see, I've never liked playing the victim. And it's true. I wrote this script. You wrote your script. And Putin has written his script. And everybody has written their own script. But that does not mean that we have to stick to that script. script. We can change it. Exactly. Talk to us a little bit about how we can, if this is a, a way of putting it, access that afterlife frequency in this life in terms of realizing, hey, anything is possible. Well, I developed and introduced what's called the raft technique. And that's because, you know, I was trying to figure out how do I explain to people who are not mediums how they can benefit from spirit communication. Because a lot of my colleagues are like, I'm going to turn you into a medium, take my course. The truth is not everybody is a medium, just like not everybody. I mean, anybody can bang around on a guitar, but not everyone's going to be a Brad Paisley or a Slash or a Jimmy Page. Um, anybody can swim, but, you know, not everybody's going to be a Michael Phelps. You know, people can do math, but they're not going to be an Albert Einstein or a Stephen Hawking. You know, we're all good at different things. And I, I was working here in my office and I hit the dreaded writer's block. So I thought I'd go for a walk and I start heading towards the ocean because I live near the beach. I thought, oh, I'll take a walk on the beach. So I got these cold chills and tingles. So I know that that's electromagnetic activity and I do an about face. And I'm being guided to walk down this bike path near my house. And I see these two objects glowing in the light. And I go to pick them up, and it's a, it's, a, it's a nickel and a penny. And I hear my mom's voice in my head. If their head's down, it's bad luck. And I'm laughing because, you know, my mom's family is Italian, and there's a superstition for all occasions. Then I hear my dad's voice. It's money. Grab it. So I grab these two coins, and I'm looking at them, Richard, and I go, oh, a nickel and a penny. It's six cents. And I said, whoa, six cents. <laughs> and the chills intensify. <laughs> I get a vision of my father standing in the ocean holding this blue canvas raft. He'd been a Navy SEAL. He was a scuba diver. He used to teach swimming lessons at the Y. And then it dawned on me, my parents, I hear their voices, teach people how to recognize signs from spirits, accept the contact is real, feel it without overthinking it, and trust the message. Whammo. I run back home and just the words fly out of me, and I realized this is how to teach people how to tune into that afterlife frequency. And it can happen to uh, to. It can and does happen to all of us. And it doesn't just apply to a situation like that. Maybe you had a dream where you felt that a loved one came and talked to you. You can apply the RAF technique to recognize, accept, feel, and trust. You'll start seeing um, what the message is. You can apply it if you had a near-death experience or a shared death experience where a terminally ill loved one is dying and Prior to their death, all of a sudden you start to see the spirits they're interacting with, and you may even get caught up in their life review and feel that um, you're catching a glimpse of the other side of the afterlife frequency. This is a, a new new um, line of, of research that, that we've been conducting. And so the afterlife frequency teaches the reader how to recognize, accept, feel without overthinking. That's the third step where people get all caught up. 
oh, this is a coincidence. I'm imagining it. This can't be. That's where people, the, I call it cross-examining the experience. So you would have me believe, you know, and, and, so you start to, and it fizzles out. So if you can get through that, then you hit the fourth, fourth step, which is trust. Mm-hmm. Messages from the divine messages from spirits are about love, healing, peace, and resolution, and protection. They're never about anger, bigotry, hatred, and violence. So when you say someone, I am a shaman, let's do an insurrection. Oh, I am a jihadist, let's put on a bomb vest. No, those are not messages from spirits. Those are not messages from God. Those are messages from that person's own ego, edging God out. True messages from spirits are healing, love, resolution. And that's how you know the authenticity of the contact and you know that this was a message. So the raft technique is how people can become, they, they, they enhance their spiritual situational awareness. Mm-hmm. And through that, and once you start practicing the, the steps that, that I lay out and the exercises, it'll become second nature. And then you're going to see that our loved ones and spirit are around us constantly. And, and they're not here to control us. They're here to guide us and to help us. Yeah. I think that's uh, – and, and it's another subject that we could go into. However, I know we're getting short on time here, so I'm going to have you back again because I want to talk more about this. But I'm going to throw this out there for consideration for another program, and that has to do with the fact that the other side is there for us, but – There's the juxtaposition that we've discussed many times on this program. I love the conversation that it alludes, that it brings up. The juxtaposition between free will and predestination. And to me, that is a fascinating thing, especially when I start thinking about individuals. I don't know if you've heard or read this, (laughs) pardon me, this story or not about the present, the current president of Ukraine, Zelensky. Yes. I, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, okay, but his father had brothers. Now, his family was Jewish, and they were in the midst of World War II. It was his grandfather. Was it his grandfather? Grandfather, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. His grandfather had brothers, yes. Yeah, and his grandfather is the only one who survived the Holocaust. Yes. And guess who's president now? If his grandfather had not survived, who knows? You know, in many ways, I I heard today Zelensky addressed the Britain's House of Commons. Um, They did it by Zoom link, and he gave a speech that said, we will fight them in the air, in the sea, in the forests, in the streets. He he basically paraphrased Winston Churchill's, we will fight them on the rooftops, in the streets. And the House of Commons, everybody was on their feet, applauding and cheering. And this guy was a comedic actor. He played in a a sitcom as the president of Ukraine. When he got elected, everybody thought he was a joke. But you know what? He is right where he is supposed to be because this man has risen to the occasion, inspired people. And, you know, 
history is filled with stories of a smaller country, a smaller military force overcoming incredible odds. If you look at the, the Jewish festival of, of, um, of Hanukkah, mm-hmm. Hanukkah is not from ancient, ancient biblical times. It is from around like about, um, it's around uh, between 200 and 100 BC. And what had happened is um, what is now Israel was under the control of Syria and the Syrians were ruled by Greeks. It was, um, well, it's a long history lesson, but this was one of the descendants of Alexander the Great's generals, and the the uh, the Jewish people rebelled, and the Syrians sent an army of sixty two thousand men, and the Israelis, the the, the Jewish people, had only three thousand troops, and they defeated the Syrian army. Yeah, three thousand. Why? Well, they considered it a miracle. And they they lit um, they lit a lamp and it was only supposed to burn for a day and still it burned you know eight days ergo you know that's why they they do the menorah right and I could go on and on you know with with other examples sure. but you know when people are filled with the conviction that they're fighting for their family for their their children for their homeland for their very existence we can never underestimate the indomitable spirit of the human will. And Zelensky is right where he is supposed to be. And in some ways he is our generation's Winston Churchill. Yeah. And uh, I think that, uh, and I have to say that a couple of days ago I was talking, I was listening to a program and actually producing it. And they were talking about being genuinely, genuinely happy. Okay. Not just, (laughs) but genuinely at peace within and happy and so forth. And it brought to my mind this this image, that if I had the wherewithal, I would be getting on a plane and I would be flying to Moscow. And I would be getting off of that plane and I would be going straight to the Kremlin. And I would walk, walk up to Putin and I would grab him by the ear and say, that's it. That's it. Enough. You are not going to play this game anymore, you're done. It's over. And it's like, uh, I feel as though that's almost what we need. We need a, a matriarchal figure to go in there and grab him by the ear and tell him, that's it. It's enough. No more. You're done. Now you're going for a permanent timeout. I'm not saying kill him. Don't, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating that. He certainly has got to 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 face uh, the war crimes that they say he 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 uh, you know allegedly has has committed, but it's like we're in the frickin' twenty first century, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. This is not the way we handle things in the twenty first century. In what I like to think of as as an enlightened age. Well, exactly, because he's behaving like a dictator from the 20th century. He's a little kid. He's a child. He's a two-year-old. Well, this also is, you know, as as an attorney and as a historian, studying our founding fathers. Now, they were flawed human beings, sure. to be sure. I mean, sure. Uh, several of them owned slaves, which is, you know, there there's no excuse. It's a totally reprehensible. But they did understand something. Separation of powers. You cannot vest total power into one person 
because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yep. And thank God we had these visionaries who realized you have to separate powers. Now, granted, we've had presidents who've abused power, but there's no such mechanism in Russia. And I really do hope that Mr. Putin comes to a revelation that he's painted himself into a corner and he may reduce Ukrainian cities to rubble, but he will never conquer the Ukrainian people. No, I do not believe that that is the case. The one thing that strikes me, too, uh, is people like this. What are you going to do? Kill them all? Then what have you accomplished? And what are you going to do? Destroy and turn the entire nation to rubble? What have you accomplished? Right. And then who's going to pay for it? Yeah. Okay. So you're presiding over a bunch of destroyed cities and displaced people. What economic benefit? It, you know, Ukraine's the breadbasket of Europe. It produces tremendous amounts of wheat and grain. It's got a lot of natural resources, incredibly intelligent, industrial, and industrious people. And so now what have you won except a huge financial responsibility uh, that you're going to have to pay for? I mean, there, there just isn't any sense. And, I, and I've heard people say that, um, and I do understand that, you know, Russia felt, or at least Putin felt, that NATO was encroaching on their territory. They had nowhere to retreat. How would we behave if Russia formed an alliance with Mexico or Canada? You know, would we be doing the same thing? And and so, you know, looking at it like that. But perhaps, I mean, Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons for an agreement from Russia never to be attacked by Russia. Okay. Because if Ukraine had nuclear weapons, this wouldn't be happening. And I'm not in favor of nuclear proliferation. Sure. Just that separation of powers is absolutely essential. And unfortunately, you know, in Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and many other countries around the world, um, they are autocracies, not democracy. And this is yet another struggle against autocracy versus democracy. I guess we've gotten off the topic well, of, of, of that, but but there's no hell in the spiritual sense on the other side. Hell is here on earth. And yeah. I do explain this in great detail in the afterlife frequency that hell is a myth, a metaphor, and unfortunately very real. And for the people in Ukraine right now, they are going through hell. Yeah. But I do like something Winston Churchill said, since we we're talking about that. He said, when you're going through hell, keep going. And so the people of Ukraine, they are, are they need to be in our hearts and our minds and uh, may cooler heads prevail. May, may the Gandhi said there will always be tyrants, thugs and murderers, but in the end they always fall and the way of peace and love went out. He said, mm-hmm. think of that always. So let's hope that that happens sooner rather than later and with a nuclear free outcome. Yes, absolutely. And I, 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 I ditto those, uh, those sentiments exactly. Mark Anthony, my guest, and actually it's a, a nice segue into uh, the whole aspect of afterlife frequency because <clears throat> everything is temporary. 
And uh, this too shall pass, and we will move into uh, the next phase in our history, in our existence. As REM says, uh, it's the end of the world as we know it, and the next moment, it's also the end of the world as we know it, and the next moment, and the next moment. I can't go back to my childhood and live the way that I did when I was a kid growing up in the neighborhood that I lived in because it's all been paved over and, you know, it's just, you know, it's to me, it's not beautiful. We had green grass. We had yards all up and down the block. No fences. And we played in the middle of the street because it was T-sections at both ends of the street uh, so that, you know, no car was going to come racing. You'd see it come around the corner. Everybody out of the street. You know, car coming. Um, it was wonderful. That's, but that's just the way that it is. So now we need to find, and that's why I'm such an advocate. I'm sure you are too, of going within, of listening to that still small voice. And that's part of this process of understanding the afterlife frequency as well. Absolutely. So Richard, I want to thank you for having me on the show. It's been a great honor. I mean, we could talk all day. Yeah. I, I, I would love to come back and we'll continue our conversation. And uh, I want to thank all your listeners for tuning in. Um, let me tell you, I'm on a lot of shows, but Richard, he's a cut above. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I do have three final questions I ask all of my guests. Uh, I asked you three questions at the end of our last uh, interview because I've been doing it since we started doing this in 2007. Uh, The questions have shifted ever so slightly. I will ask those in just a moment, but I want to remind you, the listener and the viewer, that you are listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday morning at 1 a.m. streaming live at those times. Don't miss out on the 9 a.m. Wednesday program. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, many other locations across the Internet. And we're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews as well. We will be linked to Mark's website, which is afterlifefrequency.com, title of the book as well, well, without the .com. And uh, so please uh, subscribe, watch and listen, uh, connect with Mark, uh, pick up a copy of his books. They're both, the two books now uh, are audibles, this one in particular, Afterlife Frequency. I have it, so I know that it's out there. So I hope you get it. I have three books. You have three three books. books. That's right. This is my third book. Yeah, first one's Never Letting Go. The second one is Evidence of Eternity. And my new book is The Afterlife Frequency. Absolutely. Um, so and, you know, get all three, folks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're all on Audible, Kindle. You can get them through Amazon, all fine bookstores. And, uh, you know, like Richard said, just visit my website, afterlifefrequency.com. You can order them, you know, through there. Absolutely. We also ask you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to spend some time in that quiet, peaceful, calm, still place and listen to that still small voice and get that inspiration and encouragement, uh, instruction, education, all of the good things that are there for you. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing, PayPal is the uh, uh, company that we deal with, and it's there for your security as well as ours. So whatever you can contribute to what we're doing here to 
keep us moving forward, and we will keep moving forward, I will tell you right now. Uh, all you have to do is put in my email address, richard at richarddugan.com, when it asks for the email address that you want to send the funds to. And we thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have helped and for those who will help um, now we're going to move on to what I like to call the lightning round of our game show called Tell Me Your Story, where we ask the three final questions of our guest. And our first question is, who is Mark Anthony? I'm just a guy. <laughs> I love it. Sounds like a line from a play. All right. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Help people understand that God exists, that the afterlife exists, that our electromagnetic soul is an eternal living being, that we can communicate with our with souls and that we'll be reunited with our loved ones in the light when it is our appointed time to leave the material world. And finally, what is your life's purpose? What I just said. Um, well, because because that's what I'm trying to achieve. And, you know, that five-point message was conveyed to me uh, from my mother in spirit mm -hmm. after she died. It was about two weeks after she passed. And I was driving from my – I was practicing law full-time then – and I was coming back from court and I was grieving her and I pulled over um, in a parking spot to, to regroup because I didn't want to walk into my office devastated. And this flash of light goes off. And I wasn't sure if it was in the car or in my, my, my head, but I turned to the passenger side and I saw the silhouette of my mother in this silver white light. And she said, you've been given the gift of mediumship so that you would not be crushed by grief. But now you must help those who are suffering with theirs. Mm. And you must help people understand that God exists, heaven exists, our souls are immortal living beings. We can communicate with souls and that we will be reunited in the light that is God. Mm. Let me tell you, um, you know, a lot of people talk about aha moments in their life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're subtle. Mine was like a fire hose right in the face. <laughs> And I remember sitting there and I was drenched in sweat. Literally, I was just, you know, because, you know, yeah, I was a medium, but, um, you know, I was also a litigator and in court like, you know, five days a week. And here I am receiving a message from my mother who died two weeks ago that this whole new life was about to start. And within a year, I was out of the practice of law. I was doing mediumship full time and I had my first book, Never Letting Go, come out. So it's interesting what you're talking about before that, you know, yeah, you know, we, we have some control, quite a bit of free will over our life. But there are some times when the door just doesn't open, you get thrown right through it. And that's what happened. And that's not not always a bad thing. Yeah. Well, Mark Anthony, thank you again for joining us here on the program. And I do encourage people to go to your website, afterlifefrequency.com, to find out more about the work that you are doing and to uh, connect with you. And we do look forward to having you back again to talk a little bit about uh, the aspects uh, when it comes to the afterlife and when it comes to this process of trans transmuting from one existence to the next as a soul being, uh, the aspects of uh, free will versus 
predestination. I think it'll be an interesting conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, Richard. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lull.